right, welcome to New Life Church. Glad to have you guys here with us. I know Nate asked you earlier, how many of you guys are excited to be at church today? But hold on, I want to ask you that same question again. But this time, I need to say hello to everybody worshiping with us online, as well as those at our North Platte campus and our Ogallala campus and those that are worshiping with us down in our east venue. So here at our Carney campus, you're sitting in one of two venues that has people worshiping in it. So now, now, I want to ask, even to all of our microsites, people worshiping with us online, across Nebraska, across the United States, we even have people worshiping with us that are outside of the United States. I want to say hello to some of our microsites, like the one in St. Louis, Missouri, right, where my parents are at right now, all right? Yeah, so guys, how many of you guys are excited to be at New Life Church today? Come on! Yeah! Guys, is, now look, if you're at home right now, hopefully you heard all these people through this little microphone right here, right? Um, it's an exciting day to be back in God's house worshiping God with others who actually want to come and worship God. Amen? Wow, wow. Although we're, we have to be better together six feet apart from one another, Right? It's okay, it's okay, right? Because you can still sit as a household, right? You can still reach out and grab the hand of the person next to you, okay? Um, but even though we're six feet apart from one another, we're still better together, and I'm so glad you guys came. Um, man, it's awesome. But I guarantee you that through these past few weeks, couple of months, you've probably, like me, faced some difficult times. You've probably faced some challenging times. I've faced them just like you have. And if you didn't face it personally, someone in your family did. We faced sickness. We faced loss. We faced depression, isolation, the disruption of our schedules, maybe even our idle time, knowing what to do. And idle time leads to trouble, right? Uh, you don't have to, no confessions right now. Um, you faced financial hardships, some of you. And if you haven't faced that, you face stress in the home. You're like, man, we've been married, right, for so long. But quite honestly, I want to go back to work. Not me, not me, not me. I'm not saying that about me. I'm just suggesting that possibly that happened in your house, all right? I've been going to work every single day. But some of you have been around one another so much that there's extra stress in the home. No one, nobody, nobody on this planet that this COVID-19 hit their country, nobody's walked through these last few months unscathed. Everybody's gone through something in some way and in some capacity. Some of you have even wrestled with faith. I've had conversations with people that I know are sold out people to the cause of Jesus Christ. Jesus is their Lord and he is their leader. And I've had conversations with them via email, on the phone, or in person during this period of time, struggling with just the aspects of faith. I've heard people say to me things like this, Jeff, like, God, where are you? Right? God, wh wh what's going on? Or God, are you even hearing my prayers? God, will you provide for us during this season? God, will you heal? God, why didn't you heal? I've heard all of these kinds of statements of people wrestling around, and I know that nobody came through this season without getting impacted in one way or another. Some of you have even thought to yourselves, like, man, did God completely lose control during this season of time? Today, we're going to start a new series, God of the Impossible, 
where we're, we're truly going to be pulling back the veil and we're going to be looking at who our God is, especially during difficult and challenging times. And over these next six weeks, as we look into the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, right, this week, then 2 next week, so on and so forth, all the way through Daniel chapter 6. So if you want to be on top of the series with me, then you're going to want to start looking in the book of Daniel. If you don't know where it is, just open up your Bible to the beginning, right? Find the table of contents, find the page, flip to it, because you're going to want to read ahead. You're going to want to be on the same page with me. Read Daniel chapter 2 this next week, because we're going to pull back the veil, and we're going to look through the lens of Daniel, of how he sees this God that we worship and that we serve, and how he becomes the God of the impossible. I want you as a group of people, no matter what church you come from, I know people are visiting us, they visit us in the first service, they're visiting us online from other churches. It doesn't matter to me what church you attend in the end of this whole thing. What I want for people who call Jesus Christ to be their Lord and leader is to always err on God's side of the equation versus man's side of the equation. When difficult, challenging times happen, people often drift to a man mindset and they say, it's impossible. Like, it's impossible for that relationship to ever be healed. It's impossible for those finances to ever return. It's impossible, you know, for us to recover from this job loss. It's impossible for that person to be healed. People often drift to this point, this depressive, dark place of it's impossible, only to discover that when God does something, they have to humble themselves and they have to walk back over here and go, oh, wow, God, you're better than I thought. You know what I want for you? I want this for you. The next time you walk through difficult, challenging times, instead of drifting to a man's mindset, I want you to drift to God's mindset. And I want you to instantaneously go, that might be difficult, but I serve a God of the impossible. Come on. Let me say that one more time just to make sure you understand it. The next time a difficult situation happens, you're going to help me understand it, right? Because you're going to make some noise this time. So the next, time, the next time it happens, I don't want you to drift over here and go, man, that's impossible. I don't know how we're going to get through it. I want you to drift over here and say, you know what, guys? I serve a God who created all things. He's still in control. He's the God who solves the impossible. Amen. I just want to know you guys are awake with me. That's all. You know, I've been preaching to this empty room with, an, with a camera that shows no emotions. It doesn't laugh at my jokes. It doesn't cry at my stories. And it never has said once amen back to me. So if one of you guys can create a camera that can do that, I'll buy three of them tomorrow, okay? That's what I need. I, I need. I need one of those. I need one of those things. So the next six weeks, looking at the book of Daniel, I do have to kind of pull back the veil. I think that um, it's important for a, a pastor at, as much as possible to pull back the veil of their lives and be transparent. I think that, number one, it doesn't push people away. It actually causes people to go, you understand me. Um, number two, it causes you to understand why I'm preaching this. Uh, I'm preaching this, this whole series because those first couple of weeks of this pandemic were very difficult for me. They were, they were hard in a number of ways. One, I was just joking about it, but in all seriousness and fairness, um, when you're used to, you've grown up just kind of worshiping with others, and then that's taken away from you, 
but yet as a pastor, you still feel the need that there are, there are people that they, they need to hear God's word. As a leader, you need, to, you need to step up to the plate and you need to lead people through you know, these difficult waters, almost kind of like walking through the Red Sea kind of an experience. Um, you, you need to know that on the other side of the camera, you know, I, it was a difficult season for me. I think I found myself for the first time in my entire life knowing what depression feels like, knowing Knowing what this like sense of like man I don't this is impossible I don't even know how we're gonna get through this our finances the first few weeks by the way were like down in the dumps and you know I'm a pastor I'm the lead pastor we've got three campuses we got a big building project going on in North Platte we got the biggest daycare in the town uh, we employ a lot a lot of people you would have no idea how many people we employ around this place. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at this, and I'm going, man, I'm going to have to make some big decisions, and it's not going to be fun. It's going to be painful for people, and this is going through my mind. And, and so what I did was this. I, I, I emailed, and I reached out to a group of people called the deacons of our church, and I confessed to them how I was feeling. And you might go, what? You, you, you did that? Like, well, what if they turned on you? Well, I, didn't, I had no doubt they wouldn't turn on me. In fact, what I needed to do was to send that message out. It was kind of like waving the white flag and finally going, you know what, guys, I, I'm just a man. And although I'm going to do my best to lead us through this season, I'm struggling. And I reached out, and I'm going to tell you that when I reached out, there was something supernatural that started to happen in me where I started to come back and realize I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about the situation. I'm seeing the impossible. I'm thinking in man's mindset. Here, your pastor, thinking in man's mindset. And when I confessed that and started getting the wisdom of those around me, giving me back feedback that's biblical and spiritual and filled with the Holy Spirit, it snapped me right back to where I needed to be when I went, God, but you are the God of the impossible. And it was that moment in my hunger that I kept seeking God. God took me to Daniel, and I read those first six chapters, and in every chapter there's something, you know, crazy that takes place where man says it's impossible, and God goes, oh yeah? Well, watch me. And as I watched God move in what man said was impossible, my faith increased, and I said, this is where we're going to go as soon as we come out of this pandemic with the church. We're going to lead in this capacity. So guys, I'm preaching, I'm preaching because I was down in a pit, and I needed help, and I called out, and true godly friends threw the rope down, and they pulled me back out of the pit. Some of you, that's what you need to do in your life, but you might just be too prideful to call out for help. Others of you, you've been in the pit, you know what I'm talking about, and you have no one to call out to. That's a dark, dark, dark place to be. I'm thankful that I was able to call out and I had godly friends who were able to throw down the rope and go, Jeff, we're going we're gonna to pray together. We're going to walk through this. And we walked right out of it. And guys, that's a freeing experience. And that's something God wants to do for all of you. But it starts with first reprogramming the heart. you got to reprogram your mind and reprogram your heart back to a biblical knowledge of who our God is. Because our God is the God who solves the impossible. If you don't have that in your DNA, it's hard to ever recover it when you go through difficult seasons. And what happens all too often is people aren't willing to dive into the deepness of God and go, God, man, I'm going to really discover how you can solve the, what man says impossible. So we never go there, and then we get into these impossible situations, and not only do you end up in a, in a ditch, but you end up in the depths of the ocean, unable to ever get back out. 
So I've got to reprogram your heart and your mind with what? With God's word, not my thoughts, God's word, so that when we walk through difficult, challenging times like we've been doing and what are ahead of us, that you will walk through them not in man's idea, but in God's idea, going, God, it seems impossible, but with you, all things are possible. And guys, that's, that's where I want you to be. So I want to say thank you to a loving congregation during these numbers of weeks. So many of you guys had no idea when you sent the email to me, encouraging me, and you sent cards. So many cards came in. So many emails came in, words of encouragement. You had no idea that God was using you at that very moment to speak to me with what I actually needed as your pastor and as your leader. But God used you. He used you in powerful ways. I want to say thank you for that. Another little thing that happens around our office is Pastor Chris. If you know Pastor Chris, he's our executive pastor. We'll sit around and we'll think, we'll think of crazy ministry ideas. Okay, I mean, stuff that's just off the charts. Things that are just out there. And then we'll, we'll have, at times, we'll need to buy some stuff. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm like a negotiator. I love to wheel and deal things. And I'm like, guys, we're not paying that price for that. We're going to get it for way less. And, you know, we start dialoguing about things. And then sometimes it drifts over here to, you know, I don't know if we could ever pull that off. And at that very moment, Chris is in the room. Chris will always say this because he knows he gets me. He goes, yeah, it's probably not possible, Jeff. And when Chris says, yeah, it's probably not possible, something inside of me goes off. Like, what? Watch this, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> he knows that that motivates me. This is a little bit where we find where we're going to go in, in Daniel. Daniel's a little bit like that. When, when they're captured, when they're in captivity, when... Everyone, everyone around him is saying, there's no hope, it's impossible. Every time Daniel hears it, it's as if he rebounds and he goes, oh yeah? Well, watch this. Because I believe in a God who solves the impossible. And that's what you find all throughout the first six chapters of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1 starts in 605 B.C. The Israelites have once again found themselves with an enemy who has come in and attacked them and defeated them. And they've been besieged by King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army, one of the, the most powerful army on earth at the time. They're taking over cities, countrysides, nations at the time, and they're just occupying it all. They have a, a, a rapidly growing and expanding empire, and they besieged the city of Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem with its fortified walls around it, and the enemy encamps all the way around it, and no one can come and no one can go. There's no buying, there's no selling, there's no trading, there's no extra food coming into the city, and they just wait them out, right? And they just wait them out, and they, they figure it's just a matter of time. If we stay you know, here, that in the city they will eventually wave the white flag, and eventually the Israelites wave the white flag. King Nebuchadnezzar comes in, he conquers them, and he starts doing some things. So I got good news and bad news today. You guys want to hear the good news or the bad news first? The, okay, the bad news is this is the very first time I've ever had to bring reading glasses up onto the stage. The good news is you get to see me with reading glasses on. I don't know what all that means. But so, and Dan, yeah, yeah, snap your pictures now, people. Snap your pictures now. Can't wait to see what's on social media. All right. Daniel, though, chapter 1, here's, here's what happens. Daniel chapter 1, 
verses 1 and 2, they'll be on the screens for you, that during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Now it might seem right off the bat that man is triumphing over God. It might appear that man is getting the victory over God, but I assure you, man never gets the victory over God. That if God allows something, which you've heard that a couple of times in the passage that God allowed, that when God allowed for these difficult and challenging times to come, it was because he was setting up man to show off that he's the God of the impossible. That's what he's doing. And sometimes, guys, we're going to walk through difficult, challenging times, and God's even going to allow us to walk through these difficult times so that he can show himself to be faithful and true and a God that's all-powerful. And that's what you see happening here at first glance. Sometimes we feel like the enemy is getting the upper hand on God. We feel like the enemy's winning over, triumphing over God at times. Like, think with me about this, when evil wins out. Watch the evening news tonight and watch evil win out. Sometimes we drift to this idea, well, then, because all this evil's winning out, then therefore the enemy's triumphing over God. It's never the case. You might feel that way when life tends to spiral out of control or when it seems as if our religious rights are being, you know, taken from us. Some people have felt even during this period of time that we've walked through that some religious rights are being crushed. And you know what I was so thankful for? I was thankful for a president who stepped up this week in an impromptu, you know, uh, press conference and said one vital important thing to our nation about who we worship and who we serve. And he said this, the church is essential. That's a powerful statement. We still have some brothers and sisters, though, that are not able to join with us in worship like this right now. Not because they're, they're planning out their, their plan, like some churches all have a plan. Everybody's got a plan. I don't know that there was a right or a wrong plan. Our state allows us to you know, worship, so every church has to make their decision. There are other states where the bars, okay, um, the restaurants are open, and the churches are last on the list. You might feel a little bit in moments like that, like the enemy is triumphing over God, but I got good news for you. The enemy never triumphs over God in an ultimate victory. It might appear that he's winning a battle. He's not even winning the battle. God's still in control. There isn't some big arm wrestling match between you know, God and Satan where God's worried if he's gonna lose. No, God's never in a battle like that. It's always with the spoken word of God that the enemy's crushed and God wins out. So it might seem at times like even when God's quiet or when God seems distant that the enemy is winning out. But I'm telling you today, God never, God never loses. Daniel could have felt a little bit like evil was triumphing over God when Daniel had to make this arduous, long walk from Jerusalem all the way to Babylon, 600 to 900 miles. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine walking six or 900 miles? I can't even, I don't even want to walk three. I mean, days would have turned into weeks. Right, days and nights, this would have disappeared and he could have felt a little bit like during this captivity and being taken away that he could have been like that. But Daniel never lost, he never lost hope in who our God is. 
A little bit more about Daniel. He comes from a, a, a royal or a noble family background. And Daniel was taken for one reason. He was taken so that King Nebuchadnezzar could put him into his three-year training school so he could be prepared and trained to serve in the royal service. King Nebuchadnezzar had this expanding kingdom and he needed people like Daniel who came from royal backgrounds to be trained and equipped over a three-year period of time, like getting a degree in college, okay, so that he could put him into a position of management and oversee things for him because things were so rapidly expanding. And the Bible gives us an indicator of what were the requirements for people to be put into this three-year school. So it gives us a picture of really who, who Daniel was, what his, what his capacity was, what his aptitude was. It even tells us a little bit about how he looks. So it says this. It says, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. That means I probably would qualify. Right, honey? Right. My wife agrees. It's the only opinion that matters on that vote, by the way. Your opinion doesn't count. Okay. So pick strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. So how would you like that? How would you like for the description of who you are to be in the Bible for all of eternity? (laughs) That's pretty cool, right? I'm glad it was strong, healthy, instead of like overweight or whatever. Okay, so... Make, make learning, okay, here's what he says. He goes, make sure that they're well-versed in every branch of learning. Every branch of learning. So make sure that they are the experts at math and science and history and grammar and reading and writing and social studies. Make sure they're experts in all of that. And then he also says this, make sure that they're gifted with knowledge and good judgment. Make sure that they're good leaders. Make sure that they're, they're good thinkers, Make sure that they ask good questions. You kind of get a picture of who Daniel really is. And then it says this, train these young men in the language and the literature of Babylon. T- take these people and train them in multiple different um, historical backgrounds, okay, and in different languages. Have them speak multiple different languages. It's a li- this was a strict school. This was a school where people were going to wash out of it, a little bit like the Navy SEALs. You know what the washout rate is for the Navy SEALs, by the way? It's like 80 to 85% of people wash out of it. It's a tough, strict school that's, that's built strictly for people to wash out of it. So the weak wash out and the strong exist. These, these were the odds that Daniel was facing in this, school, in this school that he was going through for three years. So he was facing this impossible training, this impossible mission. But Daniel decided to make it even more difficult on himself. See, the students, they got a real privilege. They got to eat the best of the best food and drink the best of the best wine. The food and the wine was food and wine that came from the king's table, meaning that the king's, the king's cooks made the food that the students you know, were eating. He wanted the students to be prepared for royal service. You would have done that. It would have been the finest of meats, the finest of wines. But Daniel looked at it and he said these words, I don't want to defile myself. That's an interesting word. I don't want to defile myself. What would have defiled himself by going and eating the best foods? Don't you like to eat the best foods? I do, especially when you're paying. I love it. Where are we going? Let's go. Restaurants are open. I do. I, I, I mean, look, I don't mind junk food. I'll eat my fair share of junk food. You can tell, all right? But I, I like fine foods as well. And so why would Daniel not want to eat the fine food that all the other students were eating? He said it defiled him. The reason why he said it defiled him is because most likely that food was first offered to idols so that the king was eating what would be called holy food. This food that is above 
everyone else's food, this food that's been protected by their gods. Daniel's like, we don't worship their gods. We're not going to eat their food. So he comes, to the, he comes to the leader and he makes a special request, the leader of the school. He goes, look, I got a special request I want to make to you. And he does that in Daniel chapter 1, and it's in verses 12 and 13. He goes, look, here's what I want you to do. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. Daniel said this. He goes, but at the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. Because basically he was asking him, he's like, look, we don't want to eat this defiled food. We, wanna, we just want to eat vegetables and water. That's it. We want to do it for 10 days. If at the end of the 10 days, we don't look healthier and stronger, then you, you don't have to keep us on this diet. And the leader of the school said, are you serious? That's impossible. Uh-oh. Watch out. That's impossible. There's no way that you're going to look better and be stronger. In fact, I don't even want to do that with you because if I do it and then the king notices that you look weaker, right, and anemic, he's going to take it out on me. He might even take my life. Daniel had gained a lot of respect and loyalty with this leader of the school. So he finally came to the conclusion, you know what? Okay, let's, let's, let's follow out your seemingly impossible plan, Daniel. Let's follow out your plan. Rest of the story. Not only did Daniel and his, and his three buddies, if you guys grew up in church, you knew he had these three buddies with him. Who, what are their names? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are their Babylonian names. They have Jewish names. You can read about that I mean, God's word. Don't have time to get into all that. So not only did they look better, they were stronger, okay? They were stronger, and God was rewarding them. Why? God was rewarding them because they did something. They were setting themselves apart. That's the punchline of chapter 1. The punchline of chapter 1 is this. When you face what seems to be impossible, the way you overcome what seems to be impossible is by setting yourself apart from man's point of view and getting yourself on the God's point of view. You set yourself apart by the way that you think, by the way that you love, by the way that you act, by the way that you believe. It's setting yourself apart that starts like this chain reaction of faith that can happen inside of you. And what's the, the problem with many of us is this. We walk into difficult, challenging times, and we have not purposefully set ourselves apart for the, for the purpose and the pleasure of God, we are already thinking like man. What's one of the problems with Christianity today? One of the great problems with Christianity in America and other developed countries is that Christianity doesn't look any different than the way man's living in the world. There's a setting apart that has to happen, guys. There's this coming out of I am in this world, but I'm a stranger passing through this world. There's this setting apart that has to happen. And what God does is this. God comes along and he honors him. He rewards him and his, and his buddies for this. Here's, here's what it says in Daniel chapter 1, verse 17. Take a look, it says, God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom, and God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings and visions and dreams. When we set ourselves apart, when we purposefully think and live and love differently based on the principles and the teaching and the cause of Jesus Christ, not only, not only is it a better opportunity, it's a rewarded opportunity based on what God's saying. 
And for three years, for three years, Daniel experienced this. Because he, he, he was on this diet of vegetables and water for three long years. Three years. Think, think with me really quickly. What was the last diet you went on and how long did it last? Three days? Did it even get to three days? You see what I'm saying? Three years. He, he stuck with this. I don't know about you guys, but I caught the COVID-19. Did anybody else catch the COVID-19? I'm not talking about the virus. No one, no one has to get up and get out of here. I got the, the 19 pounds. I caught that this time around, all right? So not the virus, but I got the 19 pounds. I got to figure out, you know, what I'm going to do with this. I, I got one, like, side note, bonus material out of the message for you. The, the next time that you're going, like, I need to lose a few pounds, don't look at it as a diet. Daniel didn't look at it as a diet. Daniel said this, I want to live my life in such a way that my lifestyle honors God. That's, his, that's what he went on. Maybe the next time we shouldn't look at it as a diet, we should go this. God, look, I want to live my life. I want my body to be lived in such a way that it honors you, a lifestyle that honors you. The next time, just think about that. That might, that might help you. So at the end of the three years, the rewards kept coming. Look what happened in Daniel chapter 1, verse 18. It says, when the training period Ordered by the king was completed. The chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as who? Daniel and his three buddies. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them to be how many times? Ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in the entire kingdom. They were head and shoulders above others. Why? Because in the midst of a world that was designed to honor man, they set themselves apart and said, no, we're going to follow and we're going to honor God. Guys, we look through chapter 1, there seems to be these multiple moments where it seems impossible to man. There's an impossible captivity. There's an impossible training. There's an impossible diet. There's an impossible future. But God's solution to what seems impossible is for you and me to set ourselves apart. It would have been a lot easier for Daniel just to do what he was told to do. Eat the food he was told to eat. But Daniel becomes a godly example for you and me to follow to this very day because when faced with the impossible, he set himself apart from the wisdom of this world and he put God's ways first. That's what you want to be known for. We're still talking about Daniel because he did that in chapter 1. He doesn't do this in chapter 1. None of the rest of it even matters. Here's something I do know about all of you. Whether you've verbalized it or not, you want to leave a legacy. You want to leave a legacy for your children, for your grandchildren, and their children and their grandchildren. And the legacy that you want to leave is this, that you would always be known as a spiritual patriarch of the family. I don't care how old you are. It doesn't matter right now. This is something that God wants for your life, and it's something you should want for your life. The only way that's going to happen, guys, is not by seeing how close to the world you can live and still be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's by setting yourself apart. When you set yourself apart, you set yourself up to be the spiritual patriarch of the family. You set yourself up to be the spiritual example that your children and grandchildren can follow. I know that God wants that for you. Because this isn't just something God asked of Daniel. It's still something God's asking of us today. Take a look at these passages out of the New Testament. 
Romans 12 too. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by, challenge, by changing the way you think, renewing your mind, reprogramming you, setting you apart. Look at 1 John. It says, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Set yourself apart. Guys, it doesn't mean that you're, you're going to have to you know, live homeless and you know, be broke all the time and, and you know, not have any fun. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that you can't go to the lake and get on a ski boat and have a blast. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this. In the way you think, it's internal. It's in here. It's inside of here. It's not always what we do out here. We look at this. This is how we go, oh, man, I'm going to have to change a bunch of stuff. No, you got to start here and here, getting God's word in you and believing once and for all that you do worship the God of the impossible. And the only way you find his reward, the only way you find his blessing is by setting yourself apart and letting him reprogram your very heart. So how did Daniel set himself apart? Let me just tell you very quickly. Here's the practicals. He, he disciplined himself. I know you don't like that. None of us like that, but that's what he did. And for three years, he disciplined himself to a diet that you wouldn't want to discipline yourself to. But he did it to honor God. There's just no way as a believer to set yourself apart other than to activate some discipline. It's impossible. It has to be there. But the good news is the Holy Spirit can come right alongside you and help give you the strength to walk out that discipline if you'll invite him. So there's something in your life that needs to be disciplined to look to honor and to glorify God more. What is that thing? Hang on to that thought. The second thing that he did was he applied himself. For three years he studied hard. He studies hard so at the end of it, the king goes, you're the kind of guy I'm looking for. For three years, you never hear one word of Daniel complaining of the difficult thing that he walked through. You never hear Daniel complaining like, man, these guys are eating some seriously good steak. We're eating carrots. These guys are having an amazing dessert. I'm eating broccoli. <laughs> these guys are drinking some root beer. I got water I'm scraping the bugs out of. What? You never hear him complaining. But here's what you do find about him. You find him finishing strong, never gave up. Some of you guys, you, you bailed. You bailed on God's plan. You, you started on it, and you bailed it. You started, and you complained about how hard it was. You started it, and then you, you fell flat on your face, and you were like, oh, I can't do it. And you gave up. You get back up and keep going. Keep applying yourself. You've got the aptitude. You've got the aptitude to live out a life set apart for the cause of Jesus Christ. Every single one of you do. Why? Because you're good enough? Absolutely not. Because you've called on the name of the one who can sustain you, the name of Jesus. you got to lean on him. you got to lean on his name. I guarantee you, there were many moments throughout those three years Daniel had to lean on who God is. He had to press in. He had to go, God, I still believe. It's difficult, but I still believe. I'm learning stuff I've never thought I would have to learn. I'm going through stuff I've never thought I could even comprehend. But God, i got to lean in on you. And God keeps rewarding him because he keeps pressing in. And he keeps, he keeps himself set apart. But lastly, what I see in Daniel is that he was kind, compassionate, and gentle. Because in verse 9 it says that that leader of the school had respect for him. Unfortunately, there are Christians who in this attempt to set themselves apart 
It's less about reprogramming the heart and the mind so it lines up with God's word, and it's more about external things that they do, and they become more legalistic in setting themselves apart. They become more abrasive in setting themselves apart. And they're going, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then you've got to do this very same thing I'm doing. And instead of using God's words as a sword that penetrates into the heart of people and it woos their heart to the purpose of Jesus Christ, they pull out their battle axe and they chop off heads. That's not who we want to be. Don't set yourself apart in such a way that you become more abrasive to the cause of Jesus Christ. If you're doing that, you're not setting yourself apart. Daniel was able to set himself apart, lower his pride, and not say, look how I'm better than all of you. He didn't do that. You don't earn respect of your leaders when you go, look how much better I am than you. You earn the respect of your leaders when you just humbly walk out what God's called you to do in the midst of man's world, you live with God's purpose. You can't escape man's world. When this service is over, you're going right back out to man's world. But I want you to go out to man's world with God's purpose. Be gentle, be kind, be compassionate, be respectful. Set ourselves apart. Let's set ourselves apart. So in those three things, what's one, of, what's one thing in those three areas that Daniel lived out? What's one thing? Just, I'm talking one task. One task that you can, you can apply out of this message. And what I want you to do is I want you to do the same thing Daniel did. I want you to take one task that the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart right now of what it looks like for you to be more set apart for the purpose and cause of Jesus Christ. And I want you to practice it for 10 days. If Daniel can make a fleece of look at my life for 10 days, see if it's not better. You apply the one thing the Holy Spirit's saying to you for the next 10 days and see if your life doesn't look a little bit more like Christ. If it doesn't, give up. It's good. It's fine. If you give yourself wholeheartedly with the discipline and apply yourself and you're gentle and you're kind, respectful and compassionate with it, I guarantee you 10 days from now, you won't even notice that part of your life. You will look more like Christ than you ever thought it could ever happen. 10 days. 10 days. It worked for Daniel. Let's see if it works for us. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray. We're going to wrap up in a time of worship. But I want you to seriously be thinking about what's that one thing. I want you to walk out of here with the one thing that's going to be applied to your life for the next 10 days. Okay? And if you need to rewatch this, go back to mindyourlifechurch.com. Scan forward. Watch any part you need to later today. It will be up online. Okay? So you can utilize those things. Okay, God bless you guys. Let me pray. We're going to spend a few moments in worship. Father, thank you for your word today. I thank you that your word brings life. A word that depicts a period of time from 605 B.C. That's crazy. That, that time period, that what was happening and what you were doing in the hearts of man still stands out to us today. God, may, may we be like Daniel. Let us set ourselves apart for your purpose and your cause so that our life could also speak volumes to others of what it looks like to love you and to serve you with everything. So God, we abandon ourselves to you today. Lord, there's one thing that you're speaking to every single heart in this place. If we'll listen, we'll hear it. Because you want us to look and sound and live our lives more like you. You'll you'll point those things out because you're a loving God. Lord, would you give us the discipline? To walk it out? Would you give us the fortitude to apply ourselves? Would you give us that gentleness of the Spirit just to walk it out so that 10 days from now we look completely different? 
and that we too, like Daniel, would be able to say, man, I love serving a God who solves what man says is impossible. In Jesus' name, amen.